0: How you
1: doing, Jebby Dude, I'm doing great. So for the, the folks at home, it's going to feel kind of weird because we we're doing a back-to-back podcast recording, but I uh, just got off the uh, the other end with uh, with Livy Logan Woods, and that was such a fun podcast. I'm just riding on cloud nine right now, hoping it can really carry me through and, and I can give some good good takes on college football, which isn't my strongest sport.
0: Yeah, Yeah, if you haven't listened to that pod with LLW, it was a great time. Honestly, you shouldn't have told anyone, James. We could have just, like, changed shirts. and like, no one would have known, but that's okay. Yeah,
1: well, since I, we both didn't change shirts, I was like, I can't even hide it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel pretty good, too. I am also doing a fantasy draft while we do this, but, like, talking sports is second nature to me. Like, I'm doing five other things. It would be an A-OK. Um, I think I'm going to pick Michael Thomas, though, just to mix things up.
1: Ooh, what Let's round?
0: Yeah. The eleventh round. It's very late, so I don't feel
1: too bad about it. Was this like an eight man league or it's something? Eight, it's eight man league. Okay, so that like that sounds like the type of pick on eight person draft. That's that's what my family draft is.
0: Yeah, it's like a back home. You, league. you end up with
1: like three absolute bona fide studs, and then it's still just like the the fourth round.
0: Yeah, I told you this is a league where it's like no stealers allowed. I still took Najee Harris because I got man crush. So, <laughs> uh, but you have to. You have to. As you mentioned, we are doing a college football preview pod today. Super excited for this one. A little bit off the wall from what we usually do which is usually sticking to pro sports but hey we all have to stick to one sport you know so we are yeah. doing college football prior to week one who mm-hmm. do you think is like your biggest expertise when it comes to college football like what area do you think you really really thrive
1: in? yeah I, I think i'll start with so i used to be really into college football uh, my, my dad had a job with the u of i so we got to go to all the football games uh, loved every minute of it. You know, that was the Ron Zook era, so it wasn't like we were great or anything, but I uh, really enjoyed it. And then it kind of tapered off when you, when you play high school football, which it seems kind of intuitive that like I didn't pay attention to college football, but it's like I always had practice on Saturdays, so I was so dead from Friday night into Saturday practice that was like I didn't really watch any of the games. And you know, same with college, I went to a, a school that didn't have college football, so I wasn't really paying attention. So I'm, I'm glad to kind of get back into it. Hoping to watch a lot more games this year than I have in the past, um, which I all know none of that answers the question you asked. Um, so I, I'd say I I don't know if I have a particular expertise as much as just like a joy for good games. Like I, I'm going to watch the games where it's like teams that play and what what I would call real football, meaning more closely aligned with with NFL than kind of that traditional like 70 to 60 college football game that kind of happens sometimes with with the offenses out there. Uh, So I I love the, uh, like the, the kind of the heavy hitter games. So like the, the Georgia versus Bama type games where it's like two competent defenses can actually slow down an offense type games. You know, the every year Ohio state versus Michigan is exciting. I I think just because of the, uh, the spectacle of it, like that's the one thing the NFL just doesn't have, like they, they can't hold a candle to the rivalries that college football has. So to me, it's like, you know, the, the rivalry games are just so exciting, right. You know, the red river rivalry, um, I mean, heck, even Illinois versus Northwestern is like a fun rivalry because it's a bunch of people that got recruited out of Illinois high school, so like they all know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like it doesn't matter what school, right? It could be like Oregon State, I think, but they have a rivalry with Oregon, right? Like, I mean, like you just pick like random ass schools, and it's like they have this like long history, tradition, and really crazy trophies. Uh, you know, like the Illinois ones, like the Land of Lincoln trophy or something. It's like a, a top hat. Like it's just like goofy shit like that that I think makes college football really enjoyable and, and why people just love it so much.
0: Yeah, I think you touched on some great points. I, I could totally see you loving the power-eye formation. Um, you're probably a big fan of these nine to seven games that are just absolutely disgusting in Big Ten country in the rain. And then in the winter, it's the, the deep one foot of snow. So that doesn't surprise me one bit. Born and
1: raised Midwest, I'm a Big Ten football guy until I die. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of those kind of ugly games. Those really turned me off of football sometimes, but they're occasionally really fun. I think my ideal football game is like like 23 to 20, um, which you get a lot of those kind of games in college football, like as much as I hated the Nebraska game this past weekend. Super entertaining game, like two teams that could actually stop the ball and also move the ball when they really, really needed to. So that's peak college football. Uh, I love the stupid trophies, too. I love the stupid names, the Oklahoma quarterback. His name is general booty. Like why? Like why? <laughs> but here we are. Um, you were an Illinois fan in the late two thousands. Uh, were you a Richard Mendenhall guy?
1: Oh, absolutely. He, I mean, I've met Richard. Like he's a, he was a wonderful human, like just a nice person all around. Um, but yeah, huge fan. Right. So like that was kind of our push into when we went to the Rose bowl when we didn't really belong, but it was like that wild 2007 season where, West Virginia should have made it, but, you know, had a, a few, yeah, you know, like just bad luck in the last week, like Ohio State shouldn't have really been there, but because West Virginia lost, they ended up going into the national championship game. Uh, But just, you know, all the guys in that team were, were around when Illinois was just absolute dog. Right. So then we, you know, I got to meet a lot of the people and, you know, they're all just really great, great leaders, great, great players. And uh yeah, lo- love me some Rashard. It's, I don't think he had the greatest Steeler tenure. Like he was a good, but not great player. People probably remember him for fumbling in the super bowl more so than like the good seasons he had, which is unfortunate. Uh, but yeah.
0: Do you, uh, have you ever seen Rashard Mendenhall's tweets?
1: No, I've seen his neck. His neck is like, I mean, like his entire shoulder base. So that's, that's about all I can remember.
0: He's a bowling ball, but, uh, we're, we're not going to talk about them on the pod, but Google them afterwards. You'll uh, you'll be interested to see what your hero you got is. it. Never meet your heroes, kids. That's all. G- give is. me a
1: hint. Is it like is it over the top Jesusy or is it like just wild cool. stuff?
0: It, it it's like 2011. Like people just said their deep inside thoughts that should have stayed on the inside.
1: Like <laughs> when they for- didn't realize that Twitter was forever.
0: Yeah, pretty much. It's okay. It's uh, it's something. Like it's got a little bit of something for everyone so it, okay
1: i'll keep that in the back of my mind it's
0: an equal opportunity uh disgusting offender yeah uh, okay okay <laughs> so we're gonna start with our top games of the season um uh, we already played week zero so you can't choose to northwestern or illinois what was it wyoming or whatever wyoming yeah yeah put we, some
1: respect on the name one and oh we're, we're studs
0: you gotta pick one of these barn burners that are actually gonna be really fun so let's go in reverse order let's start with our fifth most favorite games top games and this doesn't necessarily have to be this for the listeners at home this doesn't necessarily have to be the one versus two or anything like that we just wanted to go for storylines for fun and just like some weird rivalries in between so who is your fifth best game this up yeah so this is going
1: to confuse you because i definitely didn't do it in that order so i'm about to just pick and choose on, on my notes here but my number five game is utah oregon so that's going to be a, a later in the season game. They're both projected right now. I think Utah 7, Oregon's 11 in the rankings. So, man, if they can both hold on to that, you know, and kind of get to that game both with only, like, one loss and kind of maintain a somewhere between 5 to 10 ranking, that'd be really exciting for that game. And I think it's huge, too, for the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever they are at this point, Pac-77. Um <laughs> because it's like a it's a dying conference right like the big tens peeling off players from them like that like the sec might find a way to like include washington who who knows like the conferences don't make sense anymore so it's like almost like the last dying breath of the pack pack 12 here and if, if you have two heavy hitters going into the end of the season i think that would make for some great television
0: yeah no i think this is a great point i it is really hard to keep track of thing because i think they were the pack 10 then they went up to 12 teams and so they went to the pack 12 and then they went from The Pac 12, but they had 14 teams, but now they're losing two teams. So they're a Pac 12 with actually 12 teams. Really confusing. Um, I think that's a great point. Oregon's always super fun. Um, I have them later on in something, I think. But uh, Oregon's going to have Bo Nix, who is the former Auburn quarterback, and he is the definition of chaos. Uh, he's everything college football is supposed to be, where he's either going to throw the craziest, wildest touchdown after spinning off of four sacks, or he's going to get absolutely slammed to the ground, fumble the ball, and cost the team the game. Um, he fell out of favor with Auburn, but, like, is still super fun, and I already think he's going to be great in Oregon, which just... Loves the chaos. And then Utah surprisingly held their own super well last year. They're getting a lot of buzz this year as a sleeper team. Um, they were right in that game with Ohio State and honestly really, really earned my respect. Not that Utah needed my personal respect. <laughs> I, I think they're a quality team. And honestly, I hope they stay at their 7-11 rankings. Like let's just have the, the slushy bowl. You know? yeah. uh, my fifth favorite game that I'm looking forward to this year uh, is USC-Notre Dame. I have an odd inkling. This is just a pure gut feeling that USC is going to be extremely quality this year. And Notre Dame is going to be in a bit of a rebuilding year. Uh, They both have brand new coaches. Brian Kelly bolted from Notre Dame to go to take the LSU job. Um, I just don't think the talent is quite there for Notre Dame and USC has all the talent in the world. It's all just going to come down to how they mesh together. They've turned into uh, the NBA version, the the professional version of college football. They got Caleb Williams, a Heisman candidate from Oklahoma. They got Addison at wide receiver, another dark horse candidate for Heisman out of Pittsburgh, um, won the Blitzenoff best wide receiver last year. Uh, USC is going to be absolutely stacked on offense, and it's really just a matter of how it all meshes together. I think that game is going to be full of bad blood, uh, two teams that are just angsty and angry and want something better for their team. And I think it's just going to be a dirty, great game towards the end of the season.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I think you bring up great points there. You love to see kind of the, the reemergence of USC. There, there was definitely some dark years after uh, Pete Carroll left. So, like, they're they're really coming into their themselves there. Notre Dame coming off of, uh, you know, kind of continued playoff contention, right? They made the playoffs was it last year or two years ago, but, uh, you know, not quite, um, you know, it wasn't able to like, you know, finish the job. So I, I think you, you highlight some good points. Um, and, and I think to that, to that same extent, you know, I'm pretty excited for the, um, sorry, the the Georgia Oregon game. Mm-hmm. And the reason here is I, I know I mentioned, like I like games that feel more like NFL, but then at the same time it's fun to see like a clash of worlds here. So like Georgia played a real kind of more pro style from from what I watched last year. You know, they they weren't winning games like 80 to to 73. Like they, their defense dominated games. Their their quarterback was smart, didn't turn the ball over, you know, just got the ball out to the playmakers and everything. Mm-hmm. Versus, like you said, just controlled chaos in Oregon, always flying high, was always going to be looking the best on the field. So I, I think, you know, if, if it comes down to it, and those teams are still ranked top you know, top ten, top five, like that could just be a very exciting matchup.
0: Yeah, this is like a classic early season matchup. We have number three or uh, number three Georgia, excuse me, versus number eleven Oregon. Georgia definitely feels like they should be number one, and like they think this is their opportunity to put a stamp on it earlier in the year and jump up to that number one spot. What's interesting though is someone was, uh, I think it's, I think it Brett McMurphy or maybe it's Bill Connolly of ESPN. I can't remember who it was. Someone on Twitter, they were doing an analysis of all the three versus eleven matchups of all time. The eleven has a they, they win the game more often. They, they obviously score more points on average, and, and impressively so. So I, I think this could end up being a much closer matchup than maybe it looks like on paper. And uh, yeah, it gives you everything you could want in a college football game. Two, two teams that are on polar opposite of the the, the coasts and two teams in two very different directions, but I think it'd be a fun game as well. Uh, my number four game that I'm looking forward to, it's a bit of a sicko game. Um, it's a game that I just personally love both teams, and I don't feel like... Anybody could dislike these two teams. Uh, I have University of Cincinnati versus Arkansas. Uh, this game's in Fayetteville, which if you haven't been to a game in Fayetteville, super fun experience. Go call the Hogs; you'll you'll love it. Whoopie Uh Cincinnati is definitely trying to defend their relevance. Uh, there was a uh, they made it to the playoffs last year. There's a lot of feelings going around that they were kind of like a faulty college football playoff contender like they didn't deserve to be there and so they're definitely going to be out for a little bit of revenge and trying to defend their their honor had and then arkansas just has a super fun team they have kj jefferson who we'll talk about later quarterback who i think is a definite heisman contender he's built like a tank and i think this game it's an early season matchup. It's happening this week uh it will be an extremely fun matchup just two very evenly matched teams that are trying to get to from good all the way up to great and I think this will all be all fun. So what is your number three game?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Alabama, Texas A&M. Uh, from, from what it seems like, I mean, it's just, just going to be like your classic heavy hitters going at it. Is Texas A&M in the SEC yet, or are they just kind of in the transition process? Or am I way off on that one? I, I feel like I've heard that rumor roll around, so you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, here. yeah,
0: yeah. So A- A&M's been in the SEC for like six or seven years now.
1: What? Who? Okay, what is it? Texas is trying to go into the yeah, SEC. Texas.
0: And okay, the, new team, the, so. the listeners
1: are going to find out I'm a fraud very quickly. So <laughs> no, I'm, trying, no, I'm trying my best no, here. No, we
0: got to have the the normal person level of college football fandom. So it's a great. There we go. So
1: uh, I, I think I mean they're both highly ranked. You know they I think every year they they have good games. It's like a And M is one of the teams that seems to be able to give Nick Saban troubles on on defense. So like you you love like the thought like oh is Bama going to get upset even though it never quite seems to happen right. Like they always lose like a weird game early and then win the rest of their games to make it into the playoffs, because the the selection committee is like, well, they won late and that's all that matters. So, you know, maybe this is the game they lose early to then win out the rest of their, their games. Who knows, regardless, I think it's going to be exciting to watch and I'll be there for it dude, as the casual fan.
0: Dude, you're killing it as a casual fan. So there's so much stuff that's under the water here as well. So Alabama and AM have so much bad blood just from the past handful of years. AM has hundred percent been playing spoiler against them. And they're the consistent spoiler that ends up beating Bama with Johnny Manzel. They won some
1: years ago. Yeah, does does AM you know again, are they get they got Jim Bob? Is that their coach?
0: Yeah, they got Jimbo Fisher, okay. which is what I was gonna Jimbo, to say. sorry, okay. Yeah, yeah, so they got Jimbo
1: Fisher, which is some bad blood. Yeah. Like, didn't they have like like, the past few years, they've had the best recruiting class. It just hasn't quite fully come into fruition yet. So, like, I mean, you know they have talent on the team. Dude, it's just a matter of putting it all together.
0: They've had good recruiting classes, even going back to their last head coach, Kevin Sumlin. Uh, they just haven't put it together. It's something about A&M that just they're able to get the, the top recruits, but when it comes to executing, it's just not quite there. What well, was super fun during this offseason, though, uh, I'm kind of bearing the lead a little bit. Is Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher were going at it in press conferences? Okay. Yes. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. I'm using that as my reason. I want to see the bad blood come out on the football field.
0: Exactly. So basically, the story there was Saban was accusing, just a, a little bit of accusing Jimbo Fisher buying all of his amazing players, and then it kind of went back and forth in press conferences, and they just keep. They keep exchanging body blows, so this won't even be an interesting game for the players. At the end of the day, I just want to see what ends up happening at the end of game handshake that they have to do. Will punches be thrown? Will, will they get a little UFC ring in the center? I don't really know. So it's gonna be. A I very think Saban
1: fun. just needs to roll up to to like the fifty yard line with an infinity gauntlet on of all of his championship rings. I'm like, oh, do do I know who you are? As he shakes his hand,
0: Jimbo's won one, so it's not like he has zero. But yes, um, and yeah, so that game is going to be crazy. I have a few friends that are going to that game. Tickets are insanely expensive, like $300 for nosebleeds. So uh, very good game. Good job, James Dunn. Uh, my number three is a very much so nostalgical. I think it is an interesting game in that it could spell the end of a uh, franchise, an institution, if you will, within college football. Uh, I am Nebraska, Oklahoma, which is happening in week three. But it'll be after Nebraska plays four games, something like that. I can't keep track of Nebraska's schedule. Uh, Nebraska just lost to Northwestern. Um, Scott Frost is on the hottest hot seat I've ever seen in college football. He basically, if he doesn't win this game, and Nebraska basically just like has to win out, like he's not keeping his job past October 1st, 100%. His buyout for his contract just falls off a cliff after that, and so Nebraska will do anything to get out from under his contract is the, the feeling we have so far. Oklahoma is definitely a school in transition, is honestly a little bit on the precipice of what Nebraska looks like right now. They got a new coach who was their old defense coordinator, um, Vin Ables, how you pronounce his last name? Um, they lost their head, uh, their, their starting quarterback, which is always going to be an issue, Caleb Williams, and they lost their backup quarterback as well, Spencer Rattler, who was a Heisman finalist, or a Heisman favorite, at least, last year. So they're very much so a school in transition, uh, kind of lacking in an identity. And it, it could very easily, like if Nebraska ends up knocking off Oklahoma, it could be a very, very long year for Oklahoma, even though they're ranked number nine right now. Um, I will be very interested interested to see which school ends up keeping their season alive. This will definitely be a sliding door sort of game. So that's why I
1: have to for, for Frost to save his job, like, again, I don't know a ton as, as if we were kind of put out there the call or the uh, casual college fan, but like, Frost more or less has to win out at this point, right? Like he already kind of gave, like he had one or two losses to play with and he blew it on the Northwestern. Like he, he's, as you said, the hottest seat. I mean, is there any way you see them not winning the next six games and him keeping his job? Like if, you know, if they start four and two, like don't they just say, screw it. We don't even care. Like we're so done with you.
0: I don't see any way we don't lose some of these games, especially with the way that we're just not finishing towards the end of games. Um, one of the big issues coming up is so Nebraska just played in Ireland for the people that weren't aware and they turn around and play again this weekend against North Dakota, which is a extremely dangerous FCS team that always plays spoilers and Nebraska is playing them on no rest. They are going to be extremely on their way
1: back from Ireland.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Coming up, we have Oklahoma. We have a fairly easy big 10 schedule. That's not too crazy until you get to the end. Um, me being the crazy optimist that I am, I was like, "We're going to start nine to no, we We're going to go into our last couple of games, and maybe we lose one to Wisconsin or Iowa or whatever, and we'll have a good chance." But there, there's just no way. Like, it, we're going to lose one of these games. It, the odds are stacked against us. We had to start off hot, and it, we're going to finish like five and seven or six and six, most likely. And Scott Frost will be gone. I don't know what. Okay. I don't know what the future looks like, but that's my prediction.
1: Perfect. Well, you you picked a matchup that I think people would be chomping at the bit for if this was 1982, Uh, but I don't don't know about 2022. So I'm going with, uh, you know, we're going to stick with tradition here. I'm going to just take two heavyweights with Notre Dame at Ohio State. Uh, You know, in the back of my mind, it's like Lou Holtz versus Jim Trestle, and obviously I know that's not the case, but like that's just what I want to believe it to be. So I'm just going to pretend this is an old-school matchup here. Uh, But regardless, it's two strong teams, teams that have been – either in or just uh, on the out of the playoffs, you know, the past three or four years, two hugely historied programs. So, I mean, this is like a Midwest wet dream right here. I'm, I'm going to be watching this game.
0: It's indeed a white dream. Uh, I feel like Notre Dame is catfishing us a little bit. No offense to Banta Teo, but I don't feel like Notre Dame is that good of a team this year. Um, I kind of hate the fact that they are getting a new coach. Um, it seems like they've lost a lot of talent in the drafts over the last couple of years, um, the quarterback's not overly steady. Uh, so I, I feel like that's just like a, a, a pig in makeup kind of team. And the, the rankings, for whatever reason, love them. They're ranked number five this early in the season, and I just don't see it. So uh, I think it'll be a fun game and that they're going to get the bricks beat off them. Um, but I, I would consider it, like, overly entertaining if you're a Notre Dame fan. You might want to look away a little bit. Uh, you, you referenced earlier the 2007 season. That was kind of the inspiration for my number two most entertaining game favorite game, top game, whatever we're calling it at this point. I have West Virginia versus Pitt. Uh, Last time these two teams played was in 2007, and that's kind of what propelled a lot of the chaos was West Virginia was going to be the number one team. It looked like they were going to the natty. And then last second, Pitt just beats them. It was like 16-7 to or something like that. Real low scoring, real classic football. They call it the backyard brawl for a reason. Um, They're playing this game – Tomorrow night, we're, this is, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. They're playing on a Thursday night. Uh, first time since 2007, as I mentioned. And West Virginia has some of the sickest uniforms that I've ever seen that they're going to wear. These, they call them their country roads uh, uniforms. And these are two extremely talented teams, both headed by uh, quarterback transfers from very highly regarded schools. They actually were on the same team at a point. Uh, JT Daniels, the starting quarterback for West Virginia, used to be on USC. Um, He was on Georgia last year. Pitt's quarterback, Slovis, also used to be the USC quarterback. So there's a lot of just, like, interesting storylines that are going to be playing into this. Plus, we finally get West Virginia-Pittsburgh again, which, like, is one of the most loved rivalries that we've been missing because of freaking conference realignment. So I'm super stoked for this game.
1: Yeah, I think you're highlighting some great points here, which is, like, in college football, there's actual bad blood, actual storylines, like cool things to go with. And the NFL that's all manufactured. And you know like they're like, oh yeah, I, I freaking like I work out with that guy in the off season, but sure, you can act like we have an issue right now for you know, this random Thursday night football game if that's what you know makes you feel better. So yeah, I think we're, we're kind of at least highlighting some of what makes college football very unique. Yeah, uh, And to me, the the most unique aspect is always going to be Ohio State-Michigan. Again, just the, the, the Midwest thing going on. You know, families have been divided over this rivalry. There's not a chance I'm ever not watching this game. There, There's times I haven't watched a single football game in, in a season. And it's like I still find a way to turn on like half of Ohio State versus Michigan. So now that I feel, you know, compelled to watch more college football, it's like I, I, will, be, I will be ready for this game.
0: Yeah, you're so right. Whenever you mentioned the whole thing about – nfl manufacturing bad blood i immediately thought of like the stupid sprints that they put on bleacher report it's like Michael hardman versus john ross who's the fastest man in the nfl i'm like who's watching this like it doesn't yeah. matter what your straight line speed is we care about your football speed like show actually do something Michael hardman actually do something john ross <laughs> nobody cares about you anyway yeah you're 100 right on this game as well honestly a bit of an oversight on my part not putting them in my top five i might bump usc notre dame for them um, they have not uh, Michigan won last year, which was a huge, crazy upset.
1: Saved and Harbaugh's life.
0: It literally did save his job and his reputation as a coach, as well. And I, if I, I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, Ohio State has not beat Michigan in over a thousand days, and you know that is absolutely killing their soul right now. Um, this game's always right around my birthday as well, so it's just it's a great birthday game. I went with a slightly different Ohio State game, and this is just because I love both styles um, that these two teams play. I have Ohio State versus Wisconsin as my top game of the year. This will be appointment viewing in my mind. You have a Wisconsin quarterback that's incredibly average, but you have Braylon Allen at running back uh, for Wisconsin, which will be super fun. Ohio State has arguably their most high-flying offense of the entire decade, which is crazy because they've had incredibly stacked offenses all decade as well. And I think this game is just going to be super fun. It's going to encapsulate everything that is Big Ten football, which is just too well-coached, uber-talented teams, and I honestly think this is the one of the most underrated rivalries, and it really sucks that we don't get this game every single year because there are two different divisions. So um, I think it's Caleb's one.
1: Yeah. Hey, we had a Big Ten matchup as your number one, so I'm happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to keep that Midwestern roots going on. Maybe we'll eat some corn while we watch it. <laughs> we're we're going to move it into our Heisen watch now. So we're going to move into our top five candidates, have a fall-off candidate from last year, and then have a sleeper pick as well. So, Jimmy D, who is your number 5 most likely to win the Heisman this year? Who's on your Heisman watch?
1: Yeah, so I think that the issue with Heisman watch is the same with NFL MVP and it's like it's a quarterback's like award to lose more so than anything. So, I grabbed a couple other people cuz running backs can win the Heisman, but I mean the top 3 is going to be Bryce Young, quarterback at Alabama, CJ Stroud, quarterback at Ohio State, Caleb Williams, quarterback at USC. Why all these teams? They want to sling the rock. They, these are the the faces of giant. You can call them, you know, franchises almost, but uh, you know, of schools like they're they are the the BMOC, if you will. So I just, it's going to be a quarterback spot to lose. You might know some some better sleeper quarterbacks to throw in here, but I mean, these are the, the true blue chip top guys that I, you know. I, I think when you, when you don't know it well, like you know, as a as a casual fan, like you're just going to go chalky. These are people I've actually heard of, so it makes me feel like you know, that kind of wins them some votes in that regard. Um, One pick that maybe isn't as well known as Jameer Gibbs. He's a transfer into Alabama. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know necessarily if he's for sure going to be in the running, but I mean, he's like an an absolute freak of nature fast, which isn't something Alabama is known for at the running back position. You know, we've seen a lot of really fast receivers and Devontae Smith and and Jalen Waddle coming out of Bama, but to finally have it where it's like almost the reverse where it's not the running game is helping the passing game, but now it's like Bama's all about passing. That's just going to help the running game. So like you're gonna have all these lanes open. And if you have a dude with, with some speed, he could make an absolute killing uh, as teams are just trying to keep up with, with their air raid offense. Yeah. I don't know if they call it air raid, but they're trying to move towards more of that style.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting with Bama being more of a high flying offense. Cause a decade ago that was unheard of. Um, I don't love Bryce young for, uh, two main reasons. Um, one, he's shorter than your typical quarterback. He's a little bit in that Russell Wilson kind of mold. And I he's had really great injury luck in the past. And whenever you're a smaller quarterback, it, it's a little bit of a worry if you can maintain that. So I don't think, like, if we're doing, like, betting odds or whatever, I just don't love Bryce Young for that reason. He He's actually my fall off candidate. And also, it's really freaking hard to repeat the Heisman. Like, we've seen guys who have won the Heisman, have come back because they're just not draft eligible or just come back for their senior year. And it's just like, it's so hard to try to repeat those numbers to where the, the voters even care. So like, for example, like Lamar Jackson won the Heisman came back a year later, basically repeated those numbers or improved upon them. And nobody cared. They barely even like scratched the national surface. So, so much of this is narrative based in my opinion. And I just don't think Bryce Young is going to get that kind of backing. Um, he wasn't like an overwhelming Heisman candidate last year either. Like, yes, he won the Heisman, but like, it wasn't like he won it in a landslide. So I, I have him as my follow candidate. I think I love a lot of your other picks. Jameer Gibbs is super fast, out of Georgia Tech, really high recruit. Honestly, I feel bad for Georgia Tech because they basically just got poached by Bama. Um, I love your B. John Robinson pick. Honestly, it's kind of over. Yeah,
1: I, I hadn't mentioned it yet because uh, I, I, I stopped after four there. Yeah, but B. John Robinson, like – it to me it's again this is just like you know outside looking in it's like texas is just supposed to have good running backs is like it's like the way i think about it and this dude is a stud out of texas you know they got sarkisian there now trying to really rebuild the program that they spent you know just years in that charlie strong purgatory um so it's like man to have a to, to be like a good texas running back you're talking narratives for Heisman's so like If he repeats what he had last season but then doesn't get hurt, right, that puts him up to, like, instead of 1,250 yards, like 1,500 yards or or even more if it's a better season. Like, he's got a chance to really make a splash. And I'll say – you it's my fifth time saying it, but if you're, like, the stud Texas running back, that just puts you, like, a top three Heisman candidate from that alone because those people are insane in Texas and they love their running backs. Yeah, they look real cool in those jerseys.
0: Um, yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, Bijan also has the best NIL deal, or second best NIL deal, um, where he has Dijon Mustard as his <laughs> as his NIL deal. Absolutely incredible, Bijan Dijon Mustard. Um, yeah, and like honestly, he has a lot of big stages to win some big games for Texas this year. They got Baylor, they have Oklahoma. And and week two they have Alabama. Yeah. If he really yeah, if, you won, got Bama.
1: if you if you if you shut out you get that Johnny Manziel bump.
0: Exactly, and so he could end up being the national favorite. The hardest part with him is exactly what you mentioned: quarterbacks just don't lose this award very often. The fact that Devontae Smith won a Heisman honestly still dumbfounds me. Wide receivers don't win it. Running backs like Bijan Robinson would have had a chance a decade and a half ago, but it's really hard to do it nowadays. Jonathan Taylor went off. Nothing really happened. Uh, Christian McCaffrey went off. Nothing really happened. Um, it's just a lot of really. really
1: C-Mac not winning it was an absolute crime.
0: It was a travesty. Derrick Henry just got the ball a billion times, and people were like, "This looks so cool." Uh, no, dude, it's all volume. But anyway, different, different rant, different day. Uh, my Heisman candidates look fairly similar to yours. So I have CJ Stroud as my number one candidate as my winner. Um, he is my QB one. I think he's an amazing player. I think he has the height that Bryce Young doesn't have. His mechanics look great, and he'll have an opportunity to show this year that it wasn't just Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave who were catching all the passes for him; he was the one delivering it to them. Uh, my number one, or my number two, is a bit of a uh, interesting one. It's Braylon Allen, Wisconsin running back. Uh, I mentioned him briefly earlier with the Wisconsin Ohio State game. Braylon Allen is such an interesting story. He was one of the youngest players in college football last year. Went into the season as an afterthought on the depth chart, they had three or four other guys who were considerably better, considerably older than him. And he just completely surpassed all of them by week five or six. Uh, A couple of the guys had transferred out because he beat them out of the job and he went absolutely electric. He had over a thousand yards despite not playing in the beginning of the season, which is usually where you pad your stats a little bit against those worse opponents. And I have a lot of hope for him to be putting up absolutely insane stats this year which is the way you have to win this award if you're a running back. My next three picks are those chalky quarterbacks that you were talking about, guys that are right there. So I have Kayla Williams, USC quarterback. We talked about him. I have Anthony Richardson, which is a bit of a projection, the Florida quarterback. Um, he had over 400 yards rushing last year. Um, didn't play a lot of games because of injury, but I think that he could be that dual threat quarterback that Heisman voters really, really like. You can see him hitting that 3,000-yard, 1,000-yard rushing kind of season. Um, and putting him right there and trying to bring Florida back to relevance. And then uh, the fifth guy is someone we already talked about, KJ Jefferson. dude can run the ball, uh, he can pass the ball. This year is an opportunity to show it wasn't just Traylon Burks catching the balls from him, uh, it was actually some placement by him. And I think that uh, the Arkansas offense is going to be pretty high flying. Uh, the offensive line is better under Sam Pittman, a former offensive line coach. And I think KJ Jefferson has a chance to really, really submit himself as an all time quarterback.
1: Yeah. Hey, stay shocky with the QBs. Throw on a casual running back and hope for the best.
0: So we already talked about my Bryce Young fall off pick. Who's your fall off candidate?
1: Yeah. So I mean, you gave a great analysis on Bryce Young. Mine's going to be equally as as a you know founded in fact here. But uh, you know, I feel like it as someone who hasn't seen a ton of play. Like if I know who you are in college, it means either you did something incredible. Or you did something that's so perverse that you should be fired from society. So to me, that's what Will Levis did. And, you know, anyone that puts mayonnaise into their coffee, just like I, you're not, you don't belong in in a civilized society. Like that's just the most disgusting thing I, I think I've ever heard of or seen on on social media. Like again, I, I'm not on social media enough, and somehow I still saw that. So like for for that alone, I he's got to fall off. Like that that's not conducive to to athletic. Uh, you know pro- like to progressing your talents like you just just don't man oh that's that's tough
0: yeah i'm all about inclusiveness and like immigration and everything but like he shouldn't be allowed in the country like they should go to ireland and they leave will levis on the tarmac i don't want him here i don't want to be associated with him. what's the what's the wildest thing you've ever seen someone put in their coffee
1: it's got to be the mayonnaise thing i mean i'm sure like Outside of people just, you know, like oh, you know, taking a bet on like what random condiments you could throw into a cup, like that feels like that's what that was. But from my understanding, is he actually likes mayo in his coffee? So, I, I don't, I don't even know, man. I guess like when you go to Starbucks and you see people getting the like half pound of sugar added to their coffee and pretending it's still a a coffee and not a sugar with coffee flavoring.
0: <laughs> the adult milkshakes, I've the seen adult people,
1: milkshakes. Yeah,
0: I've seen people put butter and their coffee and that yeah that's a
1: keto thing the butter coffee
0: that looks nasty to me like i've had it before it's not terrible but it's just like you feel nasty afterwards because you just got like that melted butter so mayonnaise is just
1: the natural progression man first it's butter coffee then it's like what's the superior fat i guess you go into mayo mayo's got
0: like it's not like oil and eggs and vinegar yeah it's yeah.
1: no you're, you're pretty spot on it's just oil and eggs that's, kind of kind of blended I'm, it's if you had garlic it makes it aioli
0: aioli great rebrand so much yeah, better yeah, yeah. so much better than regular so pizza. much better
1: for it man if you say aioli you can charge at least ten dollars more for a burger
0: dude honestly it tastes so much better i don't know why something about mayo just grosses me out it looks like the stuff that comes out of pimples but aioli just like that's that's max you know like that that that's mm-hmm. that's empowered right there so i don't know uh we nice also time. have sleeper picks for our heisman candidates um you mentioned a and earlier I have their quarterback as my sleeper pick. I don't believe in AM and as an actual title contender. I think they are a title pretender, even though they're in the top 10. But I could totally see Max Johnson having a Johnny Manziel-type season. Knockoff Bama, you have a recipe for success. And he actually has surprisingly good stats. He's an LSU transfer over at a He had 27 touchdowns to five interceptions last year. Basically, the way that I see the Heisman formula right now is you throw for 4,000 yards, you have a good touchdown-to-interception ratio, you win the Heisman. I see him being very, very close to that. The guy doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and I think he could be a sleeper pick. If you're if you're doing bets, if you're put, trying to place a bet on this entire race, I think Max Johnson's a really, really good value.
1: Well, and to your point, so even if you think they're pretenders versus contenders, if they happen to flip the switch and go into contention mode, like the, the quarterback of a contending team is just going to be on the Heisman watch, unless it's like... I mean, it, it'd be pretty tough to, to not be in that situation. So I think that's a pretty solid pick. For me it's mine's more of a sleeper of like wishful thinking. I don't think tight ends get enough love. Right. And then college tight ends definitely are like the most unheard of human beings on the entire planet. But Brock Bowers out of Georgia, I mean he had an incredible, true freshman season. Right. Like he I mean he just he, he goes out there making plays, getting yards. Like you just love to see it. I'm an NFL guy, so like when your tight end's doing well, I'm happy you know, I think if you're doing that well and in such a difficult position as a freshman, like, it's just like the sky's the limit for you. So, you know, I'd say watch out. At, you know, I uh, could be wrong. here. I want to say it was like 800 yards of receiving last year as a tight end, which is crazy enough as is, but as a freshman tight end is insane. So, I man, he, you know, gets up to the 1200 yard mark. I don't think he wins Heisman, but you have to at least like look and be like, damn, like that's, you know, one of the more impressive tight end seasons in college football.
0: Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Probably- it seemed like every single time he was out there, he was just getting absolutely wide open, which you usually don't really see too much among tight ends. It's usually like they go up for a contested catch or they catch at the line of scrimmage and just bully ball their way through. Man runs some incredibly crisp routes for a guy of his size. So I really like this pick. I, I'm, I'm looking through the list of winners of the Heisman. Does the tight end ever won the Heisman?
1: I can't imagine they have. Like, maybe back in like nineteen twelve.
0: I'm almost wondering if it's like a wide receiver tight end combo, kind of like a oh I don't know, like Devin Funches was always like a considered a wide receiver, but he's more of a tight end, and then made some weird conversions. You remember Devin Funches?
1: I, I I know the name. I said the only like wide receiver tight end I can think of is Shannon Sharp, but you're not going to win the Heisman out of a uh, an HBCU, so that'd be that'd be pretty tough to do.
0: Yeah, Wikipedia is saying no tight end winners, and you. Wikipedia is super reliable, so. That'd be i mean, I'd trust it. It'd be interesting. I'd like to see it. So let's go Brock Bowers hype train. Next, we're going to move into our playoff picks. Um, we'll keep in mind, these are incredibly chalky. It's not our fault. It's the committee's fault. So who are your top four teams that you see going yeah. to the national championship?
1: No, you, you said it, man. It's the playoffs. It, like it just is, it's always so chalk. And, and I think it's, part of just the way they're selected, there's no real way to compare college teams unless they've played each other. So that eliminates like a true one-to-one like comparison, the way you can have in the NFL. So it's just going to be blue chip names every year with maybe one kind of out of nowhere contender. Uh, So for me, it's like, okay, let's just think of like the best blue chips I can think of. It feels like Alabama has been in every single playoff. So I feel okay locking them in. Ohio State missed it last year, so to me that means they're gonna, you know, regress to their average of making the playoffs, which is crazy to think that's how good of a program you are. Uh, same for Clemson, you know, you have the ACC, which traditionally is not that strong. So when you have a, a good coach and, and good players, you can kind of dominate your conference and, and get your way into the playoffs. And then Georgia, if you're the defending champs, like I'm, just gonna trust that. Yeah, you get yeah a little bit of magic left there, and I think they're returning their like starting quarterback, right? Like I know they've lost players to to the draft and whatnot, but like they still got talent on that roster. I could see them coming back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Asking about Georgia, if they're bringing yeah back their quarterback. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So they got Sets and Bennett. a Reason never gets any Heisman hype mainly because he's like a six year senior and he's like our height or he's my height. He's like five.
1: He, he's like boring, but he's just a great player. Yeah,
0: he's like Tommy's height. He's like five eight or whatever. Uh, how tall are you, Jay? You're like six, two, six, three. It's
1: like six, two. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he's more like, I'll, tall. I'll go six, two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's just a short King and he's really unassuming and he looks like the average person whenever he's walking around the, around, around on the streets. So, um, yeah, Stetson Bennett, really quality player. He, he just gets the job done. Um, I think your, your pick of Clemson's really interesting. Um, DJ, don't even want to try and pronounce his last name, at quarterback was supposed to be amazing Heisman candidate last year. Really didn't perform. Um, Apparently, he's looking pretty dang good in camp so far. But what's really interesting, one of my buddies was telling me, their backup quarterback, Cade Klubnick, um, top recruit coming out of high school, uh, is going to be playing in games, which usually it's kind of a thing in college football. Where like you don't play your backup quarterback because you don't want like start that controversy, you know, you want to show some good faith and your starter. But apparently he's just like so good they don't want to like take him off the field. Like they're like we got to get this guy in some games. So um, that'll be really interesting to see. It gives me a little bit of like when uh, Ohio State fell to their third string quarterback um, and when their championship winning season when it was just like you know what we got to fall back we got to go to the more talented guy. And I could see Clemson end up making that happen. Because- I mean, that
1: run got Cardale Jones into the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah, Like Just like three stringing together three wins by handing the ball off to Zeke, they're like, "Yep, this is an NFL quarterback."
0: Exactly. God, that's a name, Cardale Jones. What a what a guy. He uh, did, did. you ever see his tweet where he was like, "They don't pay us to go to class. They pay yeah, us." Yeah, I said, "I'm
1: not here to school. I'm here to football."
0: <laughs> yeah. What an honest man. <laughs> he was. He was very candid. We. I miss him. Um, my top four is too chalk, too interesting. Um, first I have Ohio state. I think they'll be the best team in the land this year. We have an offense like they have with Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba and uh, CJ Stroud running the show. You really can't go wrong. Like you have the perfect top three, uh, Bama. It's life, death taxes, Bama. Like I just don't know what else to say about them. Um, Will Anderson's leading up that defense. It's going to be pretty insane. Uh, My next two picks are more interesting. I have Wisconsin at three. If You can't tell already. I'm very high on Wisconsin. Um, There's been a lot of good research about college football lately on how running backs are a little bit more important than you think for winning in college football. And so I think Braylon Allen could definitely be that workhorse back, a Monty Ball, James White kind of season upcoming. Um, So I like Wisconsin a lot this year. And I think the the division and the – Big 10 West is way worse than people think. So I think they could go pretty unscathed and see their way into the uh, the top four. And it might be a little weird, right? Cause like you have two teams from the same conference, but like Alabama didn't win their division even last year. So why, why, why not Wisconsin? Yeah? Uh, USC is my fourth team. Um, I think they just have too much talent. And I think Lincoln Riley is a really good coach. and can really be that shot in the arm that they need as a program. And I, I, I don't want to pick them, right? Like, I'm not rooting for USC. Who the hell likes USC unless you're in Southern California? But I just got to be honest, and, like, that's just truly my gut feeling right now is they have the talent to be a top-four team this year. And the Pac-12 is ripe for the taking as well.
1: Yeah, no, I like your picks. I think Ohio State and Wisconsin, both being in, is going to be tough, especially – I mean, do they play each other later or early? Because if they play each other late, I feel like that makes it hard – But
0: if I remember correctly, it's a little bit earlier. It's like early October. So yeah. Okay.
1: So then yeah, if, if it's a close game then they both went out from there, then it's very possible for both to make it.
0: Definitely. And because you are more of an NFL guy, um, we gotta throw a little bit NFL into here, just to make you feel a little bit more at home, Jimmy D. You, mm-hmm. You've been appreciate you've been it. doing I really appreciate You've been it. pushing through. You've been showing some analysis. I like it. You've been throwing in some hot takes, some some stuff from your past. I am a big fan. But let's mm-hmm. project a little bit and look at some of these guys as potential NFL draft prospects. Who is going in your top five if the NFL draft happened tomorrow?
1: Yeah, so I mean, first and foremost, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, I'll let you talk more about them because they're, they're your pick too, but this is a quarterback-heavy draft. I, NFL teams know it's quarterback-heavy, like so teams have been kind of prepping themselves to to really snag QBs, and I, I think you'll see two or three out, go in that top five. Uh, I highlighted Jalen Carter out of Georgia. He's a D tackle, so that probably eliminates him from top five, but potential top 15 for sure and the reason I highlight it is because like 17 solo tackles as a D tackle is insane, right? The, the whole purpose of a defensive tackle is to eat as many offensive linemen as possible. So your linebackers can make plays. So if you're out there and making plays yourself, like it's just insane. And I, I watched that Georgia team in the, in the championship, like they, they were absolute dogs out there, no pun intended on the, on team name, but uh, so you'll yeah, love to see that. Then after that, I just kind of picked uh, two of the, the better t- or, uh, defensive ends from from the league because it's it's a quarterback driven nfl and then it's a who can you know rush the quarterback driven league as well so isaiah foskey out of notre dame 11 sacks last year uh if you repeat that or even get it a couple more like you're just signing yourself up for an easy top 10 selection uh same thing with miles murphy so 21 solo tackles as a defensive end which means he's probably playing more of that like that outside backer that uh that teams are liking to get so you know not a down defensive end but more of the kind of like hybrid up or down and then 7 sacks so you know I think he'll be someone to watch uh man if you can keep that production going and and then just have a good uh combine like every team wants an outside like an up down outside backer and I mean that's pretty much what you know to me that's what I'm kind of seeing if you're getting that many solo tackles as a defensive end yeah
0: i love all your picks here I think that makes so much sense, and they definitely value what the NFL actually values, which is rushing the quarterback and the quarterbacks themselves. Um, I love your analysis on Jalen Carter. I, I think it's so interesting that Jordan Davis, the the six nine behemoth of a man who went thirteenth overall to the Eagles, was the star of that defense, but then Jalen Carter still outshined him somehow. And he's an uber talented guy, um, highly recruited. And I have him fourth on my board for that exact reason. Um, The only differences we have, so we have CJ Stroud and Bryce Young flipped. I have Stroud one, Young second. It's definitely super close, but I definitely agree with you. Like the Lions, the the Falcons, they're already tanking for these two guys. Like they, teams that need a quarterback in order to compete, like this is the year to compete. This reminds me a lot of when uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields came out. Um, It's a very, very good top two this year quarterback. Uh, I think that the transcendent kind of defensive guy is Will Anderson. Uh, we talked about him a little bit, Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. Uh, man is a machine. Uh, he gets sacks uh, like you wouldn't believe. He is a sack machine. Uh, I think he is easily the best talented defensive player we've had in the last couple of years, uh, definitely surpassing. If he would have come out this year, he easily would have surpassed Aiden Hutchison, or Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, he is that good. Um, and he's going to get Heisman buzz. It's really hard to win as a Heisman, so I just don't really see that. I would want
1: nothing more than a defensive player to win Heisman, but that hasn't happened since, like, Woodson, right? Yeah,
0: Woodson in, like, 97 or something like
1: that. And that was because he also returned kicks. Like, he did a little bit of everything, so it probably helped a lot.
0: Yeah, he had that he good PR campaign as well, so – I have a hard time seeing Will Anderson breaking that streak, but I said the same thing about receiver and then Devontae Smith happened. So I don't know. Um, The other couple guy, the other guy that I have is Anthony Richardson quarterback out of Florida. I think people in the NFL, this might be the year that people in the NFL truly wake up to the dual threat quarterback. I think a few guys got scarred with a couple of the guys that came out um, five, six years ago. Um, They saw Colin Kaepernick uh, get hurt early they saw a few other guys that they saw as uh, more of a running back or a wide receiver. But I think this year, Lamar Jackson wins MVP. Uh, Malik Willis already looks way better than a third round quarterback. Um, Sam Howell, who has some likes to him, has looked amazing so far in preseason as well. And uh, we also uh, touched on um, Skylar Thompson, the, the Dolphins quarterback, is really good as well. So I think Anthony Richardson will break the normal NFL draft analysis where we overanalyze some of these guys. And I think he'll uh, get that opportunity. Uh, He'll get that benefit of dual threat quarterbacks making a resurgence. And I think a lot of people see him as a um, Leek Willis club.
1: Yeah. Building off of that, we've talked about West Virginia a couple of times, possibly more than any other podcast has talked about West Virginia in the last 10 years, but where do you think Pat White would be if he was getting drafted in 2022 instead of 2007? Jeez.
0: It's so hard to tell, man. I, Pat White is, like, on the right on the edge of, like, my college football remembrance. Like, he's one of the first quarterbacks that I actually have memories of. Jeez. Um, like, I think he'd go probably, like, top 15. Like, I, I think so many teams nowadays recognize that you may not hit on quarterback the first time around, and they're more willing to take – these dart throws on guys. So, like, I think of like the Cardinals a few years ago, right? They took Josh Rosen, top 10, and then literally were like, this isn't the guy. As much as I love Josh Rosen, they were like, this is not the guy. And so they're like, we're gonna go and take Kyler Murray first overall and we'll ship out Rosen for a second round pick. So I think Pat White would be one of those guys. Obviously, didn't have a great NFL career or anything like that. But I think I think a team, a quarterback needy team, would definitely be like, hey, this guy's worth a dart throw because he could end up being it. And they recognize how random uh, quarterbacks can end up being, the NFL yeah.
1: how about you? Uh, I, I think, you know, especially now that the, the path has been paved, right. Like Jalen hurts is getting meaningful reps. Lamar showed that you can be an MVP when you're kind of truly dual threat, right? He's cause I'm not going to call Lamar running back. He's definitely a quarterback, but you know, he, he is looking to run as well. So just kind of showing that it's possible. I, I think teams would be way more excited, you know, even if it was like a second or third round pick, I think people would, would be all about it. Mm-hmm. I'm with you though. It's like, it's hard. I, I know the name. I understand, you know, how good he was, but I, I didn't, like, I don't have good memories of him playing just because I was all of a seventh grader at the time. Right. It's not like as a seventh grader, you're watching just random West Virginia football games. Um, that's
0: not what you were so doing on the couch in 2007? That's what I was doing.
1: No, I was, I was watching U of I games and calling it a day. That was about it. But yeah, you know, I, th- I think someone probably. that elite, I, I just being a dual threat, would definitely be at least a first-round pick, maybe, maybe a second-round pick. Okay,
0: that's fair. Yeah, I think the evolution of quarterbacks going forward is going to be extremely interesting. I think one of the biggest – I think we talked about this a little bit. I think the biggest inefficiencies that we'll continue to see are guys that can play in multiple roles at once. The the Bill Belichick special the the Julian Edelman who can throw a pass from the uh, from the sideline like I think that just completely bends the geometry of what the mm-hmm. NFL field looks like and so if you can misdirect and just do some laterals and everything and have guys that are competent at throwing passing rushing like we see it in the NBA all the time like the guys who are the absolute best are the small forwards who are tall that can dribble and that can shoot and that can defend. You think of Kevin Durant, LeBron James. Those are the guys that win championships year in and year out. Those are the guys that win MVPs. And I think the more multifaceted you can be as a player, uh, we're going to see more of these like athletic kind of things, like Triple peppers, for example. Um, and those are going to be the true game changers that I see. In the
1: so you'll, you'll know the dual threat has officially arrived when the Patriots drafted dual threat quarterbacks. If there's one thing they have never done it's even like considered your running ability when drafting quarterbacks,
0: you think back Jones can't run. He's got a body. He can,
1: he can get 10 yards if he needs to.
0: Man, is a beast. Dude, his his tape of preseason.
1: Maybe Danny Etling getting his, his annual 50-yard preseason touchdown, but I don't, I don't know if I count that as a proof of dual threat.
0: Is he still around? Does he stick with the roster?
1: He's not with the Pets. He, was he with like the he, – he had another preseason long run. I can't remember what team he was on. I, I can't imagine he – made a roster a practice squad maybe but i don't i think he's got to be one of the early round cuts yeah i think every team has that guy like the that guy for the
0: for the lines was david Blau, and he just got cut last night after being on hard knocks which is a brutal look for him and then we had 10 Boyle <laughs> as well for the Lions. so you gotta love a backup quarterback there's so much fun <laughs> Absolutely. All righty. So now that we're talking about backup quarterbacks, we are 100% <laughs> it to say uh, we
1: all the way, all the way gone.
0: Exactly. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, this is a real fun conversation. Just going over college football. We're definitely going to be listening um, and watching in as much as we can. We'll probably start doing some picks starting next week as well. Uh, just calling the biggest games and maybe going even against the spread, just to make things a little bit more interesting. So let us all, let us know what you all think. Uh, feel free to email us at Mac and Dutton. At gmail.com that's m-a-c-n-d-u-t-t-o-n at gmail.com uh, let's know what you think send us some questions like we're, we're open the dms are always flowing so the, the content machine goes burr as we say around here so absolutely any last words jimmy d
1: yeah, I'd, I'd say i'm just gonna throw in the caveat man Get, give me a month i i think my takes will be a lot more founded here it won't just be uh you know finger in the wind uh going purely off of blue chipness so if the if the fans stick with us, so, you know I love football, so I, I know I can you know catch up pretty quickly and and give a give some pretty good uh, give you a run for your money maybe on some of these picks out here. Uh,
0: you you may be a novice, but you know ball. That's all you need to do. You got you got to know, I know ball. You ball.
1: know <laughs> absolutely. All right, we're we're done with stuff to talk about. Let's get out of here. See you.